9-11, Iraq, um, my military service is a huge part of my life. But it's not the only part of my life. I have other goals afterwards. I'm not going to let anything that's ever happened in my life, whether it was during my service or before my service, ever hinder me in my future goals. Sometimes I see that in, in, in service members. Or sometimes I see that in people in high school. The high school quarterback, that was the best time of my life. The military servicemen, uh, those are, you'll never get better years than that. Bull crap. Yeah. You know, you, 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 whether you do four years of service or you do 30 years of service or you get hurt and you do nine months of service, you were somebody before the service and you're going to be somebody after the service. And you got to figure out the best way to, to come up with new goals. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah, that's just my take on that. That was Tanner Iskra, former U.S. Marine and current host of the Veterans Administration's podcast, Born the Battle. His story next, but first a few announcements. I'm still looking for, uh, I guess we would call it national correspondence for the 21 Gun Podcast. And all that would mean is that you you can actually do this with your iPhone, your, your whatever cell phone you have. They do really, really good audio, uh, surprisingly, almost as good as it you know you can have from a professional uh, microphone. So basically what I'm looking for is if you want to do this, it, it, we're, I mean, we're coming up on our first hike this weekend down at Fort Lauderdale. So if you want to do this, shoot me an email soon, uh, Kevin at 21, spell it out, 21gun.net. And I'll talk about, really, all I want you to do is just go through the hike. And if you guys uh, have an interesting conversation, you find someone that wants to tell a story, say, hey, I'm with the 21gun podcast. And, um, you know, just ask some questions, get some good audio, and then I'll edit together. I might do like a conglomeration of three or four hikes and kind of just put some audio out there. Uh, it works great. Uh, and it, it, it's good advertisement for your hikes because it kind of shows what goes on at a hike. So if you're interested, again, shoot me an email, Kevin at 21gun.net. We're also looking for a video editor. We're going to start doing some video portions with this podcast. The problem is myself and, um, the folks down here that are helping me out with this podcast don't have time to do the video editing. It shouldn't be time consuming. You're just going to sync up audio with video. Uh, if you have time and you want to volunteer and you want to put, um, uh, I guess, podcast producer on your resume, shoot me an email. Again, Kevin at 21gun.net. I already brought this up, but we have our first hike of 2020. It is Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's February 22nd this weekend. After that, seven days later, we have Waco, Texas. That's February 29th. And then two, two uh, hikes in Texas in a row. Well, I guess it's not really a row. It's kind of a, a three weeks later, but March 21st in Galveston, Texas. And then I'm just going to jump out here to April 11th in Jacksonville, North Carolina. That one's going to be cool because Jacksonville is right near Camp Lejeune, or some people say Lejeune. I'm not sure why anyone would say Lejeune, but uh, lots of Marines out there. It's going to be a big hike, and uh, I'm going to do everything I can to get out to that one. As I mentioned earlier, this week's guest is Tanner Iskra. He's a United States Marine Corps veteran, and he served as an intel analyst during OIF. Uh, later, he moved over to videography and photography for the U.S. Marine Corps. I guess that's combat video. I don't know. Uh, during his military career, he deployed to OIF, as well as Romania, Latvia, Bulgaria, Germany, France, Spain. He went on all the, the cool deployments, apparently, and then a Black Sea Rotational Force. Dude, you Marines have some weird-ass deployments. I don't know what a Black Sea Rotational Force is, but it sounds cool. Tanner was a senior post-production editor with NASCAR Productions. He's the graduate of Concrete School of Journalism in Arizona State University with a Bachelor of Arts in Mass Communication and Media Studies. And he holds a certificate in military motion media from the Newhouse School of Journalism at Syracuse University. And he joined the Veteran Affairs, I guess it was last year, 
um, when the previous host of Born the Battle podcast uh, handed over the reins to Tanner. Uh, he does a great job. If you haven't heard his podcast, go check it out. So without further ado, here's Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. The whole point of this is to tell the story of the veteran, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's like one purpose is for veterans to hear other veteran stories, yeah, and say, "Holy shit!" You know, I want to. <clears throat> Holy shit, my my story is very similar to that, and I'm sitting there beating myself up, and this guy managed to do that, or this girl managed to do that. I can do the same thing. To so inspire transitioning that's, yeah, veterans with stories of success. That's very important. Absolutely. The other thing, too, is for civilians, because there's such a disconnect, whether that's built in or not, of of what what a veteran is. You know, the, the, the 80s and 90s kind of, and maybe even the Vietnam era, spawned this idea that where did you go wrong that you had to join the military? Yeah. And and that's not the case anymore. So with, that, not. with that huge, huge uh, intro I just did... Where did the seed for you go to uh, to serving, to putting your life on the line? Um, I think for, it started out with seeing my brother. My brother was uh, was in the Army. He joined the Army in, I think, 96, right after he joined high school and became a Ranger and, you know, was doing uh, airborne jumps out in Alaska. And Was he in the 75th? or He did it for, like, three days, and then he had a bad taste in his mouth, and he was like, eh, screw these guys, and he went back to, like, whatever his Ranger battalion was up in Alaska. That's the story he tells me. <laughs> um so I saw him, and we grew up in a very small town. I'm the, son, I'm the son of a logger, you know. And, you know, growing up, my dad was always like, this is not the life for you. Even to this day, he'll, uh, I play with him. I'm like, hey, Dad, I need, I need to learn how to use a chainsaw, you know, just for around the house and stuff. And he's like, no, that's not the life for you. You're never going to be a logger. I was like, Dad, I'm, I'm 34 years old now. Like, I, I have a full career. This, is, this isn't going to happen. I'm never – yes, I'm, I just need to know how to use it around – anyways – so, you know, that's, I think that's hilarious about my dad, but, um, what would he say? I have a, uh, I have an electric chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, Hey dad, I just got like this little, you know, five horsepower thing just to glimpse some trees. And he's like, no, my son will never be a, cause I came from a generation of loggers. My okay. grandfather was a logger. My grandfather was a logger. My dad was a logger. Yeah. And he was like, you're going to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, you're too smart for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I joined the Marine Corps, but, <laughs> Um, so my brother, you know, he got out of the army, joined the air force. And when I was 17 years old, I got to go down to Travis air force base. And I was like, man, this is pretty nice. You know, all the beautiful green grass and the golf course. Yeah. It's a nice house. And you know, he's working on his Jeep on the weekends. Like, I think I can, you know, I grew up in a trailer, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) And I was like, I think I can, I can get used to a life like moving up to the country club. Yeah. So after I saw the comforts of the air force, what I do, I turn around and join the Marine Corps. You know, so that was that was one of the main reasons I joined the service was my brother. Okay, um, you you had brought up something interesting there, and I, you know maybe I'm just drawing assumptions here, but kids who grew up in the '80s and '90s, we we have a history. Our grandparents and parents, and they, we have a history of them being tough guys, especially if you're middle class, right, or, or even lower class. Uh, World War II generation. My great grandfather was World War One generation, working on the grain silos. Yeah. Um, my grandfather out in, you know, he still carried up until he died uh, shrapnel in his side from a, a German ME 109. Yeah. Um, my dad, just a self-made man, built his first car and shit like that. And then we grow up, and it's like, 
it's cupcake camp. I mean, for the most part, a lot of people struggle, but when you compare it to taking shrapnel on the side from a German, yeah, it's apples and oranges. Do you think there's a, a, a drive for us to prove ourselves amongst our our ancestry to kind of put our place in history as, as guys with grit and women with grit? I think for some in our generation, that might be true. Uh, I think for a lot, maybe, maybe they don't know even where to start, you know? Um, for me, it wasn't that at all. It was trying to, uh, almost like break a cycle, um, almost, uh, get out of, of a socioeconomic area that I, that I probably wouldn't have fit into. That was the Pacific Northwest, is that Pacific right? Northwest, like, you know, and, and I, and I admire my father, I admire my, my, my grandfather, my grandfather built this house with his own bare hands. And right, you, see? He'll tell you, see? He'll t- you know, my great-grandfather um, came to America from Croatia. He was a sergeant in the Austrian-Hungarian Army in 1917, okay? Uh, it was a little rough over there during those Yeah, days. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, it was the, uh, it was 1917. It was the year before World War I kicked off. Mm-hmm. He was a sergeant in the Austrian-Hungarian Army. If you know anything about that, that, that army, if he, wouldn't, if he wouldn't have gotten out of there, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, so he came to America and he labored in the, la- in the, in the logging camps in the 19 teens to save a, enough money to, build, to, for one, build, to buy the 60 acres that my grandfather was born and died on mm-hmm. and, um, and to pay for his two sons and his wife to come for, to, from Austria that lived through the war and had to come to America like seven or eight years later. So um, I kind of identify with, you know, I'm proud of my family heritage. I'm proud of my, my great-grandfather. I'm proud of my grandfather. Um, I, he said he built his house for $12,000. Wow. <laughs> you just can't do that these days. No, no, no. no. And that, that house and that cabin are still there. <coughs> Get all the carpentry, everything. Um, my dad was a logger. But I think when it comes to our parents' generation, I think there was the 60s was, was a different time. Mm-hmm. than, than So I, I don't know if... Uh, I would almost say it's almost two generations yeah. than, than, than one. Um, I can see that. But for me, it wasn't about that. It was about breaking the cycle of, at that point, my parents' generation, there was, there was some addiction and there was some uh, depression issues that I wanted to break, I wanted to break that cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me about the culture, and this is just a question I want to know, because if I close my eyes, I can tell you the culture of Texas I could tell you where I'm from, the culture of Boston and New Hampshire. Yeah. <clears throat> I can tell you the culture of most parts of Canada. What's the culture of the Pacific Northwest? Oh, dude. Um, for one, just, you know, just saying dude. You know, it's just like, it's almost like a, like a Northwest California. Um, well, it depends. You have, you have Seattle and you have Portland and they have their own cultures, of course. And then you have everybody outside of it, which is pretty much a rural logger, um, which is a, uh, you know, outside of Seattle, you have a, a more rural cult- culture. Um, but you know, it's, it's fishing, it's crabbing, it's hunting. Um, I can't tell you how much seafood and food, like the, the cuisine that I, for the Pacific Northwest, I miss that in here in DC, I miss that every day. Sure. You got, you got crabs here. No, it ain't the same. It ain't the same. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it, I can't tell you what I would pay for to get a, a, a an unfrozen Dungeness crab <laughs> on my, on my table. Oh, yeah, that's right. Or, you guys get all those crabs from up in Alaska and they bring them down. That's right. Yeah. Or right. the, or just the West coast crab in general. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up two hours west of Seattle, so so we you know we would go crabbing every every year and um, growing up, and it's like I can't and razor clam digging and no, it's it's a different texture, it's a bigger clam, it's a bigger crab, um, 
I really miss is, you know, smoked salmon that, yeah. my, that my uncle would smoke, you know, um, for us and mushroom picking. when I was a kid, we would, uh, my dad would take me out and this was for them to make extra money. And for me, it was just the food, like, yeah. uh, going out on logging roads and the country road at like six in the morning to, to go hunt for uh, chanterelle mushrooms. Okay. You know, um, it's a very earthy, um, you know, it's a very earthy culture. Um, not much makeup, not much, uh, you know, it, it's very down to earth, salt of the earth type of people. And, uh, you know, I what, do miss that a lot being on the East coast. What was the culture like as far as your peers go and in, in joining the military? It sounds like it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, peers in high school. Yeah. I mean, when you think of the Pacific Northwest, <coughs> you think more of, um, you know, hippy dippy type uh, living out in the woods, not you have that, you know, mm-hmm. you have that in saying like Bellingham or in Olympia or in Portland, like you have that, but mm-hmm. no, you have a strong military culture. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the Pacific Northwest, I mean, my high school class, I can probably name, we graduated with a hundred, maybe 5% went. Okay. You wow. Know, you know, and that was a volunteer. Yeah. You know, it was like, Hey, they raised their right hands. I can tell you, Brandon Tolbert, Jimmy Wells, myself, um, Adam McCambridge, um, and I'm probably missing one or two in that. I went to two high schools and that was just one. Okay. Um, we even had a ceremony when we graduated high school, like in front of the whole student body. They swearing like, and swearing nice, and getting nice. your, getting your, um, what year was that? 2003. Okay. So we had, I guess, uh, we didn't go into Iraq yet. Maybe no, we, we did. did. Okay. We did. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I was in the delayed entry program when we invaded Iraq Okay. and my recruiter, um, at that point, I'd, I've already, I'd already gone in the delayed entry program. He lined us all up in formation uh, in the middle of the mall and basically told us, look, um, we had invaded. Anybody who wants to dip out now, go ahead and take a step back. And it's fine. It's completely fine. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of funny. How we, yeah. None of us did, you know. Yeah. Um, we were all ready to get the heck out of Grace Harbor. We don't, <laughs> as young men. We were like adventure, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was chomping at the bit. Uh, I joined actually several months before 9-11, and then uh, I, I was heading to flight school when 9-11 happened. I was home on leave. And yeah. I was like just chomping on the bit. I'm like, I got to go. I don't want to miss the game, right? Yeah. It's such yeah. a weird thing that we do as young men that we want to challenge ourselves because it's kind of, it's the way we're trained. Uh, we're trained to be, at least in the military aspect. And like I said, I just got out of OCS, so the brainwashing and all that has already occurred. <laughs> and I, I was ready to-, to You were Captain to America at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was actually worried that everything would be over by the time I, I reached my, my unit. Uh, <laughs> Fast forward twenty years and we're still flying <laughs> combat operations. I mean, that's that's crazy to, to think that. But it's amazing to think that, you know, two thousand one is. All, I mean, if you're looking at nine eleven, they're about ready to retire. Yeah. If you're just doing twenty. Yeah. It's amazing to me. It blows my mind. Yeah, kids that uh, or how about kids that were not even born are now fighting in Afghanistan. Yeah. Do they know what they're fighting for? They they didn't feel. Depends I mean, on where they went to school, I think. Just driving in here, you know, you pass that that wall of the Pentagon, and that was 19, was it 18 years ago? Yeah. And I, it's the first thing I think of. 18 I was like, I remember ago. when that was burning. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really, even, you know, I worked there in 09, and you really didn't get a sense of it even then. Yeah. You know, at, at that point, and I interviewed, uh, his name was John Baxter for my 9-11 episode. I don't know if you listen to that one. Hmm. Uh, he was the flight surgeon for the Secretary of Defense. Okay. And he was in there. Whenever. He was the very first person to lead any kind of evacuation out of the Pentagon. 
uh, before any chopper, any, before any emergency vehicle came in, he was the one that was leading the, the evacuation. Wow. And he'll tell you that before 9-11, it wasn't like a museum that it is now. It was just Spartan. Like there were lights barely flickering on in some of the corridors. It was like paint. It's Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. 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 But now if you go, go inside and you get a tour, there's memorials to everything. Sure. You know, and military. Is and, that 193 died there? 93 died there? 193? I, it, I can't it was, it was over 100. Yeah. I know. I think I want to say it was in the, you know, if you count the flight, it's in, yeah. in the couple of hundreds, 300s or whatever. Yeah. But he was out there in the parking lot doing tracheotomies. Wow. Yeah. And it makes you think about the day, right, where you're saying, how many were killed there? Oh, it wasn't as much as, you know, New York. Are you shitting me? It's still a major terrorist attack, yeah. you know, yeah. just to kind of show you what that day was like for everyone. Yeah. You know, and, and like I met on 9-11, I went out to um, Quantico uh, National Cemetery and met one of the daughters of a person that was lost and, and mm-hmm. just ran into her because I was just wanted to go see some of the, uh, the headstones, some of the people that, and that's kind of one to remember. And she was in Crystal City, basically across the street from the Pentagon when it, when it wow. hit. You know, and it just goes, it's not just the people that died, it's the people that were affected. Yeah. You know, it's just an amazing day. Uh, Dakota Myers, have you heard his, his interview with Joe Rogan yet? I haven't. I saw it on my queue. <sighs> I saw it on my queue. And I'm like, and I'm thinking like Dakota, it's like, okay, you're in my queue as well. You yeah. Know, yeah. We're born in the battle, but him and Kyle, but um, especially as a Marine. But I, ha- I haven't listened to that and I haven't been able to reach out to him yet. It's tough. It's a tough one. I mean, it made two hours of the drive. Like I was just zoned. I was into to his story there. Wow. Um, but he said something profound. He said, I would, I, I never want a 9-11 to happen to this country again. Absolutely. But I would give anything for a 9-12. Absolutely. Not crazy. Absolutely. One hundred percent. What a what a great statement. Yeah, because I, I remember even in high school, I remember um, how together the country was. It didn't really matter, you know, with, with everything that's going on today. It didn't. None of that matter. None of that mattered on nine twelve. Well, we were all one nation. We, yeah. were, we were all we were all under, you know, the same flag, and we had the same purpose, and and that was a great feeling. I uh, I bartended in a, a, a bar near Boston, a little town called Haverhill, Massachusetts. Mm. My voice is struggling. Uh, I had pneumonia for, gosh, almost two months ago. Yeah, coughing so bad. It's scar- I'm a PA, so I kind of know what's going on. I yeah. scarred up my vocal cords. Oh my god! And so now I have this kind of smoke. It sounds so weird to me to hear my voice like this. I'm hoping it comes I'm, back. I hope I recover. I'm in the same vehicle right now. If you, a couple, you know, past two weeks, it's been hard to record for me because I got sick in Hawaii. And I've All lost right. my voice. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it's it's just like sucks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just driving me crazy hearing myself talk. I sound like. <coughs> yeah. If we know. cough, uh, we could just uh, I like it restate it. It's it's not funny, but I guess it's interesting that most of us who grew up and came of age at nine eleven, if our lives were a movie, that seems to be the opening sequence, right? I just for, not for me. No? no, no, no. My my opening scene goes goes a little bit, a couple of years before that. Um, and I think it's just the way I was. I, I grew up. Um, yes, nine uh, eleven, Iraq. Um, my military service is a huge part of my life, but it's not the only part of my life. I have other goals afterwards. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna let anything that's ever happened in my life, whether it was during my service or before my service, ever hinder me. And my future goals. Okay. 
Hinder or influence? I guess that would be the balance. Everything's everything's going to influence me. Mm-hmm. You know, everything. Will, my entire experience, my my entire life experience will influence me. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm never going to use anything that has ever happened to me in my entire life as an excuse as to not. I can't do X because of Y. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and sometimes I see that in in, in service members. Or sometimes I see that in people in high school. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the highest, you know, the high school quarterback, that was the best time of my life. The military servicemen, uh, those are, you'll never get better years than that. Bull crap. Yeah. You know, you, 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 whether you do four years of service or you do 30 years of service or you get hurt and you do nine months of service, um, you were somebody before the service and you're going to be somebody after the service and you got to figure out the best way to, to come up with new goals. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, that's just my take on that. Where, so I look at it and, and hearing different opinions is good. Uh, I look at it that there's something in, and, and I, I interviewed a woman named um, Stephanie Parker. She's, she goes by the moniker Silky Stephanie. She's part of our group. <laughs> right? Awesome. No, fellow PA. By the way. There you go. Bam. Silky. At least you're not wearing them. Went and bo- uh. <laughs> yeah, went and bought them because I know we got to run this weekend. There you go. This is, this is recorded before DC. but uh, Yeah. Um, yeah, I people pulled, are... You guys asked me if I was coming out for the DC Silky Walk, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I pulled out my old Silkies, and they were like these Falling faded apart. gray, <laughs> um, you know, the stretchy had all gone. You know, I was yeah. like, hey, yeah. You definitely don't want to be wearing anything my, that can malfunction my, on My the... wife works on Quantica, so I was like, hey, honey, go, go give me some Silkies. Um, what I was going to get at, and I get this from a lot of people. I get from a lot of people that, you know, if they did two years, four years, eight years, whatever it is, that there's something about serving in the military that sticks with you every day. But do anything else for two years. Go to a college. I went to college for four years. I was in a fraternity. I don't remember people's name. I didn't care. Yeah. It's a fraternity. And if yeah. you guys are listening, you know this about me because I don't <laughs> care. Um, but uh, five years in the Air Force before I got medically retired – I, every single day, every single day, it'll visit me somewhere. Yeah. What What do you think that, or where do you think that comes from? I know from the Marine Corps, I can't speak for any other service, y'all share the same story with the boot camp. Okay. You know, Marine Corps boot camp, whether you go to Paris Island, you go to San Diego, um, y'all share that same, or OCS, y'all share that same story. And y'all know that in, in, intrinsically uh, when you meet another Marine. And it doesn't matter if it's a Marine from Vietnam, Korea, uh, to the Marines of, of last week. You know, y'all went to Paris Island or San Diego. Um, so I think there's an inherent um, camaraderie with the Marine Corps in that. Um, as far, Your question was about what, like just something throughout the day? Yeah. Um, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, for, for me, I think it would say, I th- for me, I think it would say boot camp. Yeah, you okay. know, and And, you know, as far as things that remind you throughout the day, yeah, I don't, I don't know where else that would come from, you know. What was your first job in the Marine Corps? My first job was admin. <laughs> and I say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, scored well on my ASVAB, any job you want. And I was like, look, man, um, I want to go to school. I want to I learn how to uh, be a video producer. I didn't, know, I didn't know the term video producer, but I wanted to make videos. I wanted to, I wanted to make film. I wanted to edit. And he was like, look, man this is admin 
It's a nine to five gig. You can go to school in your off time and you're still a Marine. I was like, all right. So you, you wanted to get into the creative arts, we'll call it the AV area mm-hmm. prior to this. Oh yeah. I wanted to edit. I, I edited films in high school and I was like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Not it's kind like, of a weird Marine Corps is kind of an odd direction to take to, to do that. You know, I walked in the air force first. I did. Yeah. Cause my, but brother, even that, I mean, I would think like UC Berkeley F- school of film. I'm making that up. Why am I going to go in debt? Yeah, that's true. Why am I going to debt for a job that is? <laughs> yeah. con- even the, in high school, I was like, man, it's pretty flaky. You know, you mm-hmm. know, it's all. And now you know it's you know, especially in film, it's all contract based. It's all, mm, yeah. it's all who you know, and 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 I, you know, there's a lot of people in our community that I, don't, I probably don't get along with. Let's be real. Okay. <laughs> like, I probably my personality, their personality. Um, I like making films. I like making good story. I like telling good stories. I like I like I like telling good stories. I want to say I like making film. Um, I thought I would want to make movies. I don't really want to make movies anymore. I think the real world has a lot better stories than a lot of, a lot of films. You know, plus a good go- a good documentary is so much better. Yeah, than yeah. Movie. So, <laughs> and I've discovered that during my time as as a, as a combat videographer. But um, no, I wanted. I knew I wanted to do that early on because I enjoyed. Uh, we made like a war movie when I was in like high school. <laughs> Terrible. It's called Mist Drop. It's basically a complete ripoff, just a Pacific Northwest version of. Of Saving Private Ryan, just complete rip off <laughs> nice. when we were in high school. Just reasons to dress up and, and go do stuff. But uh, we made this film, me and my buddies, and I was like, man, you know, so I, want, I knew I wanted to make films, you know, and I want to make, I want to get in the video world. So um, I didn't have a, a, a way to go to film school. Nobody was going to, my grades were terrible. You know, I was a smart guy, but I didn't do, I didn't do my homework because I didn't think, I didn't, why do the homework when I can ace the test? You know, right, so right. my grades weren't the best. I wasn't going to get a sco- I was I wasn't going to get scholarships. I wasn't going to do the paperwork to get scholarship. Let's be real. I was going from couch to couch when I was. I moved out when I was fifteen and a half. You know, so um, I was working at McDonald's. I was I was trying to graduate high school. I, I I wasn't. You know, I was like I need something more stable too. If I'm going to do it, I'm not going to go into debt. So um, I could chase my dream. I'll do something. Con- you know, constructive. And that's when mm-hmm. I, mean, I saw my brother in the military. I was like, that's a good fit for me. Did your recruiter, was he like, yeah, you can, you can shoot video. <laughs> no, no. My recruiter was straight up honest with me. His name's Sergeant James Bell. I still talk to him to this day. He's cool. like, he's like one of my brothers, you know? And, uh, he was like, no, Marines, you, your boot camp's going to suck. Like it's <laughs> going to totally suck and you're going to hate it, but you're going to be a Marine. And, and, and this is what the Marine Corps is all about. So I walked into the Air Force recruiter just before that, and you know, you know, it's in the mall. There was all four there, and the Air Force recruiter was hardly ever there. And he was like, when I finally ran into him, he was like, "Oh, you got a speeding ticket? No insurance? Six hundred bucks? Yeah, no, I'm not even going to see you until you pay that off. I'm not even going to take you to Meps. I'm not going to do anything with you. You know, wow. I'm, we're good with the Air Force. You know, we got people knocking on our doors to come in. I was like, man. So I walk out with my head down out of the, out of the Air Force recruiter office and. I'm thinking, like, how the heck am I going to get in the military? I don't have the money to pay off these speeding tickets or there's no insurance ticket. And my my Sergeant Bell, my recruiter, kind of saw me coming out of the Air Force recruiter. And he goes, hey, 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 mother, hey, mother effer. Wait, what's your, what's your favorite effing movie? What's your favorite motherfucking movie? And I was like, uh, Pulp Fiction. He was like, awesome. Love the gore. Love the gore. Hey, my name is Sergeant, <laughs> my name is Sergeant Bell. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, this is just an interesting dude because every – other word coming out of his word out of his mouth is fuck mm-hmm. you know 
And you know, I work for the VA, but I think I can get away on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, this one. We're right. reverent warriors. We're, we're all right, all right, cool. Part of Vet TV. I don't know. Yeah. Have you ever watched so, that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I, I interviewed Donnie, and we haven't released that episode yet. But, okay. But even with that, you know, I feel like I, sometimes, like, you know, I, I still represent the VA no matter where I go. Yeah, right? sure. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, so it's like he's like, you know, what's your favorite F? And you know, I was like, this guy is every every word out of his mouth is F. And I was like, I never thought about the Marine Corps. And uh, he's, I walked in the next day. He completely sold me on the Marine Corps and the brotherhood of it. And plus he was like, I'll also pay your speeding tickets and your no insurance tickets. That's the brotherhood of the Marine Corps. We take care of our own. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was thinking, you know. Where do I sign? Yeah, well, you know, maybe that's how the mob also does business. But, that's you right. Know, you know, absolutely. Let's, let's do it. So, And I paid him back after boot camp. But, yeah, that's how I joined the Marine Corps. He paid my paid my new insurance ticket. It's funny how you say up. mob. The have you ever been to the Burbiz over mm-hmm. here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. the Burbiz uh, back in May? I think we even did an episode on it. Okay, I was there. Uh, was I there in May? I was there, I was there at one, and then I was there just recently. There was one in August. I was there. Reverend Warriors actually helped me store my gear behind their table. Which oh was yeah, great. that's the one I went to. Yeah, we, we probably yeah. we probably passed by. At yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. That's actually when I was developing this and putting my other podcast on hold. And that's, yeah, that's when we, I met the Reverend Warriors. They were talking about maybe developing a podcast, yeah. and 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 they just hadn't been, gotten to that point yet. I, yeah. I basically, I knew like five years of my other show. I had, you know, it, it was it raised enough money to take care of itself. Uh, I had a lot of interesting authors and stuff on. It was kind of like poor man's Joe Rogan. In fact, I got a lot of his old guests on. Oh, great. And, but I was done with it. And, and I went there with this idea. I got to sell myself as a podcaster for one of these companies. And I saw Vet TV and I had heard about them. And I was like, they don't have a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a Reverend Wars in it. So I, I formulated the idea, went up to my room, started creating 21 Gun, interviewed about a dozen people or half a dozen people, and then contacted them. And I said, this is what I can do for you. Here's my resume. And then they're like, all right, let's do it. So great. It's the way, it's the way it works, I guess. That's a great way to do it. Um, I shouldn't have said that cause I just lost my train of thought. Uh, something about, Oh, do you know, do you know the last time I thought of my, well, except for right now, actually, as we, we bring this up, the last time I thought about my, uh, recruiter and I can still picture him to this day. Uh, we were in, we were in Iraq, right. And they always teach you, like, I remember we would do these, uh, in navigation, you gotta be like Johnny on the spot with where you are and where you're gonna be, and taking data and been doing math. And it's funny because I'm terrible at math, but yeah, you're doing that. And as you're doing that, the instructor's walking behind you, right? You're on seats like this, and it's a dark room, and you got little lights to kind of teach you how to work on it. And he's kicking the backs of the seats. He's like, you know, get it done. Bam! Here comes some AAA. Bam! And I'm like. We're Air Force. No one's going to shoot at us, right? I mean, come on, dude. Stop stop acting like an asshole. Fast forward whatever it was, say, you know, nine months later, yeah. I'm in Baghdad and I'm looking around. I'm like, this is this is Iraq. This is growing up. This is the boogeyman, right? I was a kid when we went in the first time. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. And as I'm saying that, we get into a, a mortar attack. And it happens all the time over there. Yeah. But this particular one hit fuel pit. Uh, yeah. It's called a FARP. And it's, it looks like yep. it's about the size of this table. Big, big rubber bladder of fuel. And it was just like Hollywood. Boom. Big fireball. Yep. And and it hadn't happened before. This is like one of the first or second times I've been in Baghdad. And then they start- What year was that? Uh, this would have been 04. It was a year after the invasion. And they start walking the mortars. Someone's spotting it and walking them up the runway, trying to wow. take out the planes. And I'm watching this. And you know what I think about? Not what do I do? 
I have an M9 on me. What am I going to do with that, yeah. right? There's a couple jersey barriers. The plane's running. I'm outside of the plane because I just happen to have a video camera on me. I want to film startup. And I think back to my, my uh, uh, recruiter, and I'm thinking, he's probably sitting back in Portsmouth, New Hampshire right now, drinking the guy. I pictured him drinking it. It's nice and quiet, and <laughs> shit is literally blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about a fuel farm? Uh, I, was, I was out there in 05, and I was in it. Rocket, I think. It was yeah, I've been there. One fifty-five, yeah, one fifty-five hit a hit the fuel farm out there, like a week before I got there. So it's funny you talk about you know that and any story about your nine mil. What are you gonna do with the nine mil? We had a mortar attack on our mass aren't like, like went to condition one on his M nine. It was like <laughs> we're being attacked. He like ran out like mass aren't. That's funny. What the heck are you gonna do? What are you like, gonna do? Shoot a rocket? A mortar. Yeah, it's a it's a mortar like. You, dude was it was hilarious. That was when I was still an admin, by the way. You cross your fingers and just hope. Uh, something I, I brought up or we talked about me and hell, I'll just bring it up. Cause I think it's an interesting question yeah. is, and, and civilians don't really understand this, this thought, right? A civilian says, Oh man, you got PTSD. We better not have 4th of July fireworks. We better keep it down. We better not bring you into crowds. And they come up with this whole idea of what PTSD is. Or what a veteran is. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, and then they, they find out like, wait a minute, you want to go back, right? Even though you're old, you're not going to kick down doors or fly combat missions anymore. You're an old guy. Part of you deep down inside, if you said to me, if I snap my fingers, you can be in, um, I'm trying to think of it, Balad, Baghdad. Yeah. Uh, in 2007, when it's the shittiest place in the world to be, with your brothers and sisters, you'd be there. I'd be like, yeah. Absolutely. Because what am I scared of? I've been there. Yeah. Right? I have yeah. friends that have died, and, yeah. and what's worse that can happen? That? Uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> There's this weird thing, and, and civilians don't understand it. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's a maladaptive behavior when you come out, but I sit there and, you know, I have all my limbs. I have no holes in me. And but sometimes you'll ask people that, that don't have all their limbs, would you go back? So oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like I think it has something to do with you. It, there's, a, there's a familiarity with it, so you already know it. One, like you said, but two, um, you know you're making a difference with people that, you care about so uh, you know i think that's what it is yeah know. that's for me anyways that's what it is for me i, I would go in a heartbeat you know like, you know, when they talk a couple years ago syria you know and we're like oh let's all go we're all going kick down. <laughs> iran yeah or you know they had the 300 marines around and they were surrounded by isis like oh i'll be 301 you know yeah. um i think it's just the uh, you know i know there or i know the people that are, i know the type of caliber person that is there and I know at the end of the day, I'm making a difference in, in their lives and they're good people. So I want to be there too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a concept of, I would, and I'm going to say it wrong, but something about dying in a pile of brass amongst your brothers. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's that traditional Spartan death. Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't know what it is. I guess maybe that sounds, I mean, we do weird things in our brains. We do sure, weird, sure. weird acrobats Absol and stuff Absol to try to make sense of things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> Why are there guys out here with badges? No worry. They're just really good friends of you. It's been a good time. No, I, I you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I've never never really pondered my death. Yeah. Really. I think about it all the time. Really? It's, it's come... I have seen my death so many times, so close up hmm. that it's, it's, I'm comfortable with it. I'm not afraid of it. I mean, yeah. cause you know, uh, three inches this way, or we did something a different way and I wouldn't be here. Be oh, absolutely. Call. I mean, there's a reason why I have four people's names on my, my wrist every yeah. day that I look at and I remember. Yeah. Um, and it's just, 
Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, you can take that. I, t- I tell this to people, you can take that once. You know, there's people that get a car wreck and they're dealing with PTSD for the rest of their lives. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. PTSD isn't just something that comes from battle. Yeah. You know, it's, it it's a tough like, pill to swallow. I think so, especially coming from the warrior ethos. And yes, Air Force has warrior ethos. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I, I take that. Have you heard of the last full measure? No. So the last full measure is about a PJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, tons of respect for PJs. Yeah, this right. guy here, um, it was it was Vietnam War, and, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he was denied a Medal of Honor for 30 years, and it was his buddies that actually got it for him. That movie's coming out. Oh, it really? Has, it has Dale Dye in it, or it has uh, John Pagini, who was a, a military advisor. He's the vice president of the PJ Association, and he's here in D.C., um, that movie's coming, I think, out in February. So I, I understood that there was, a, you know, with I watched that film at the at the Military Influencer Conference and okay. and, and at the uh, Air Force Association's uh, you know, conference or whatever. We went there and had a follow-on viewing because I didn't watch the whole thing at the the MIC. But um, yeah, I could see a worry ethos, especially with some, especially with especially with the PJs. Yeah. Um, that guy like dropped down in the middle of a firefight in Vietnam because their medic died. You know, yeah. or, you know, the medic was getting hauled up. He's like, that's the medic. Well, I got to go down and like, like went down, you know, it's right like, in a fire. It's yeah. amazing. Thing. So I, I understand there is a warrior ethos in the air force as much call as I joke about it. Call them battlefield, battlefield airmen operations. <laughs> that's what I like to call it. Operations. There is so, two sides of the air force. Yeah. Uh, that's a good, that's going to be, I saw the film. I'm telling you films like that aren't getting made anymore in Hollywood. I mean, in the era of Marvel, in the era of, um, everything else going on in, in, in Hollywood. Um, as a community, I think we got to support that film. We don't want toxic masculinity. We don't want our kids being raised seeing men with machine guns. You know, guns uh, are evil. Honor and, and bravery, <laughs> and 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 actually, it 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 really dives into the unit, like mm-hmm. the army unit that he saved and witnessed what he did. Um, the guy from the VA or the guy that, from the DOD, the lawyer that was trying to argue the the case, had to go and interview these guys for the Medal of Honor. And it digs into like different cases of PTSD and different cases of of how men, uh, brave men that that had to live after something like that. Oh, survivor's guilt is huge too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. A couple had survivor's guilt in in the film. Um, one married a VA nurse. Um, <laughs> it was it was it's a re- it's a really good film, and I think we need to support films like that that are coming out in Hollywood. If there's something out that's coming out like that. You know, we're not seeing Saving Private Ryan's anymore. Hmm. Why? Because Marvel's making all the money. So I think as a community, when we see a film like that, we need to go to the theater and support it. Yeah. What do you like uh, better, telling stories behind the camera or behind the microphone? Definitely. <laughs> Your job's ooh. on the line here. No, I don't know. That's, uh, <laughs> no, I, I miss producing videos. And I thought when I took this job, I could still produce videos. And I, I, I can't. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, especially mm-hmm. when you get into content, uh, content marketing aspect of it, especially when you get into booking, especially, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the actual creation of the podcast is such a small bit of what you actually do when you are a producer of a podcast. Um, yeah, like I, have a, I got a three-part documentary sitting in my back pocket that I haven't been able to touch, Wow, you know, for the past six months. I miss film production, video production. Don't get me wrong. I miss that a lot. Um, I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I really enjoy talking to, to, to veterans. I really enjoy getting their stories of it. Cause at the end of the day, we're storytelling. We're storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now with that being said. And I think maybe there was a little bit of a burnout when it came to video production with that being said, I don't want that skill set to erode and I do want to get back to it eventually. 
um, I've looked into, you know, I'm living in my part of the joke of the podcast is that I'm living in my in-laws basement, just like every other <laughs> podcaster on, on born the battle. But, um, we just now closed on our house. Uh, and I've been, I've been detailing that entire home build through the end the VA loan process throughout the podcast. And we're closing on that. So I'm leaving the in-laws basement and we're moving into what we're calling the party barn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, eventually what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start freelancing okay. video work, you know, it's just, just to keep that skill set going on the weekends. And there's a lot of, um, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> technology has, and I have questions about this technology yeah. has afforded basically anyone with the drive to create a news program, not a news, but you know what I mean? Like that whole, here's me in front of a camera interviewing somebody telling their story and reaching out of the potential of reaching people. There's yeah, but the, you you can still tell people when you can still tell when people are trained and when people are not trained. Oh yeah. Some people suck at it. Yeah, completely. And you hear it, but they disappear. Uh, <laughs> or, or when I, I, Oh God. In fact, maybe I'll do this tonight just for fun. I'm going to look up my first podcast, my first episode ever. Mm. Uh, I've done interesting. I've probably done 150, maybe 200. Who's your first episode? Uh, with this podcast? No, your first episode ever. Do you remember your first episode? Yeah, ever? it was in my it was in my uh, living room, and my neighbor came over. And that's oh. it. I said, "Why don't you come over? I want to interview you." And he came over, and we sat down, and we chatted about. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to say he was telling me about Miami and the culture down there, and then we talked about uh, like Schrodinger's cat. And uh, it was like pot talk without the pot. It was a lot of bourbon. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and that's the way it went. And then I would go to bars after that. And uh, my, my Marine buddy owns a bar and would just set up like three or four microphones. And I, I tell you, I had the Drinking Bros podcast designed in my head before they existed, but I just never, uh, never pulled the trigger on it because we just sat around and drank and discussed. The very first, so I wanted to do a podcast back in 2015. And the very first name I came up with was The Smoke Pit. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, yes. I had those guys on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, Dan, and so I I, I had them on too. Uh, I think what two months ago? Oh, Dan Sharp. Mm-hmm. I, I met him at Burbiz, and I was yeah, like, "Hey, yeah. Burbiz." I was like, "Hey, Dan, uh, you have the name to my podcast." And I, I I still own the domain name. For the oh website. really? Yeah, the SmokePickPodcast.com. Sell it to him. him. I was like, I'll, that's what I told him. I was like, I'll totally sell it to you. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was joking. I was like, nah, I mean, I'll give it to you. It's not a problem. But um, yeah, so I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time. But I never, I never had the time because at that time, I was full time at NASCAR. I was a video producer. I was a video editor at NASCAR, and I was going to school full time through Arizona State uh, through the Cronkite School of Journalism. So I had no time to make a podcast. You know, it, like I said, to make one episode a week, it takes about a week. You know, for if you're doing everything on it, you know. Oh, t- one episode a week. You're you're working your ass off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not many people ever understand that around here. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, pop smoke. So you know, I'm, I talk to them, and and I think one thing I do like about podcasting that that I still can, or one thing that I took away from video production that I still can do with podcasting, and is one of my favorite things is field producing, doing interviews. Yeah, I, I that was one thing when I left the Marine Corps that I wasn't able to do at NASCAR that I missed doing, and now I get a chance to do that again. And yeah. I really enjoy that. Um, I think a lot of people too. You know, they want to be the next Joe Rogan, and that's the wrong focus that you, you have. If you can have a solid, if you can have a solid hundred people listen to your podcast every day, or whenever you do, you're not doing a podcast every day, but yeah, you are reaching a hundred people, and that's kind of what technology has done. It's allowed people to niche their way out. Yeah. Um, and if that's, I mean, go your neighbor who's a 
I don't know, a, a IT person, right? When was the last time he went and spoke in front of a hundred people about a topic that he was passionate about? Probably never. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the activity of actually or sitting down and, and actually doing it. So I never discourage anyone. I mean, it's, there's, there's a pool out there. It's definitely a pool of shows and being picked up by a bigger organization helps a ton. Um, yeah. Uh, helps you break out and reach more listeners if that's what the goal is. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if you can reach an audience. I, I, I think not just a 100 people, but uh, 100 highly engaged people. Yeah, I, yeah. I really love the engagement that I have with Born the Battle. You know, one thing I do is I'm always like, hey, for any, this is not my show. This is your show. Mm-hmm. You know, I work for the VA. It's, this is your show, you know, veterans or veteran employees. Because like you talked about uh, civilians to learn about veterans. What I like about Born the Battle is I reach VA um, civilian employees that have, that have never been veterans, and they get to understand their audience. They get to understand their patients better. Yeah. Or they get to understand who they're serving better. Yeah. So at that same time, I'm like, if you have any questions, if you have any you know, podcast at va.gov, email me. I will always respond. Uh, we, you know, we always do a, a veteran of the week at the end of every show. Um, I love the interaction that, that a podcast affords with your audience. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see here. Oh, this question I ask everybody. I love it. Ah, day one, morning one, you're officially a civilian. Sun comes up, alarm goes off. What next? Get to writing resumes, I guess. No, um, no, I was, uh, God. I can kind of remember that. I just, I woke up, I looked to my left, my uniform was there and I turned over. <laughs> Went back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, ain't got to do that today, you know? <laughs> All right. And, and I, and, but it was a surreal feeling, you know, looking at your cameras going, probably never going to have to put the, ter- put those on anymore. Yeah. You know, so uh, day one, looked at the camis, had some breakfast and then I had a plan. I was already in, in, you know, I think at that point I was already in Seattle. That was when my terminal leave ended. I was already in Seattle and I was already enacting my plan to, you know, what's next. So I was already filling out resumes. I was already, already actually probably already conducted two or three interviews at that point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's a big catching point, obviously for a lot of people, they can do self preservation no not even that self-actualization whatever the term is the psychological term for making yourself better yeah or you can drink and and i've had people answer that that way you know what did you do day one alarm goes off drank uh, mm. and it's like ah <sighs> uh, and and that's Can't an answer that. yeah, yeah yeah and did you were you prepared at all in the marine corps for the prospect that this will end someday young people don't like yes. to think that they yes. did prepare you. I mean, oh, did the Marine Corps prepare yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. I think there's always room for improvement when it comes to TAPS and it comes for all that. I think sometimes that comes from good leadership within the Marine Corps or within whatever, whatever <laughs> service, you know. But does anyone listen to that dorky uh, captain that comes up and says, you know, uh, you, you got to start thinking, no. son, about no, what nobody, you're going to do no, in three months. Nobody thinks about the, the Captain America. You know, nobody yeah. cares about Captain America. Let's be real. Yeah. No, it's the it's the gunny. It's the It's the, you know. It's that next one, first sergeant, maybe it's a good first sergeant, one or two ranks up that, you know, hey, look. Um, I don't think I ever had that conversation with anybody before I got out except for my wife, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I knew, I knew, and cause, because I, I saw friends struggle when they first got out. And I'm like, all right, 
you know, whether I do 20 years or I do at that point, I was at 10, whether I do 12, um, eventually, or I do 30, eventually I got to take this uniform off. What next? And that's a good, that's a good mindset to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why I always told, you know, people that were, you know, I don't know what, you know, I think, you know what, I think what really got me going on that, on that train of thought was I saw Marines getting kicked out. I saw Marines getting kicked out, you know, for whatever. And they were not prepared. Yeah. Not prepared at all. You know, and they, and they, you know, some were kicked out for BS reasons, not just for, you know, at that point, the Marine Corps slimming down, they were looking for any reason to kick a Marine out, you know, and, or Marines that were sergeants that never picked up staff and it was 12 years and they were there. That was, that was the end of the line for them. They never saw that coming. And they looked at themselves and they were like, this is it. This is the best part of my life. And I'm never going to do anything ever again. That's going to be as cool as this. And I looked at that and I go, I am not going to be like that. Just the way I looked at my growing up, I looked at that, those same, that same exact situation. I was like, I'm never going to put myself in a situation where I'm never going to be ready for the next step. Uh, where do you think, do you think there's any overlap there between the people who aren't prepared and the 22 a day? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I, I've never seen a study on it. I've never seen anything on it. You know, I think that's, you know, full discretion. I think that's just my own opinion. Yeah. But absolutely. I think if you're not, if you don't know, and I think that goes with kids coming out of college, you know, uh, if you don't know where to go in life and he, oh, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you you know, you look at things like, you know, sky King, you remember sky King back in 2018? No baggage handler in, in Seattle had, Basically, right, yeah, right. he was like 25, 26 years old, had really no ex- life experience, was kind of didn't really have direction in life. Some He just wanted to do a barrel. He wanted to do something exciting in his life. So he stole a plane. Killed himself. Y- yeah. You know, yeah. and he just snapped. And I, I think I think if you're not prepared in life to take that next step in any phase, whether, you, whether it's because of the military, whether it's because you just got out of college, if you have no goals you're going to get, I feel like there's depression coming. Sure. You know, I'm looking at this whole subject and I was like, I remember being that way at one point in my life. And it was, it was at the Pentagon and I, I was working for a guy that was known as the Sergeant killer. Yeah. And which is crushing me. I mean, it was 90 hour work weeks, 80 hour work weeks. I was sleeping three hours. I was having to go get hotel rooms at the, at the hotel next to the Pentagon just so I can get three hours of sleep. <laughs> and the guy was just, I mean, I got my fit rep and, like I said, he was known as a sergeant killer. And I was like, I'm not, and I ended up getting picked up step for staff sergeant, but I was like, I'm not getting picked up staff sergeant. This guy's killing my career. And I remember thinking like, what am I without this uniform? And that was when my wife, my wife was the one that was the one that was like, you were a lot before you were, before you wore this uniform. Yeah. And you've gone a long ways before this, before you, before. And, it, and I feel like I've done a lot since that Pentagon, you know, time at the Pentagon, but she was like, and, you, and you've done a lot since the time that you've joined to the time you are now. That's a big and, concept. And I've heard it a few times. Yeah. So, um, I mean, at that point I was, I was throwing up in my truck, outside of my truck before I was going into work every day, hmm. you know? And so that was probably the lowest point as far as a self, a self worth that I've ever had in my life. And it took my wife to tell me. And so I've always carried, she told me that and I've always kind of carried that 
you know, we put on Randy Hauser, put going out with your boots on and Hey, if today's the day that, that, that him and I just throw down, it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, my wife was the one who was like, you know, my wife's my rock. She was, she was the one that told me, uh, you know, you, you, you did a lot before you join or to get to this point you're at now. And you're going to do a lot afterwards. This is just temporary. And so. And from what I understand, because I listened to your interview on Born the Battle, she's the one that got you the job at Born the Battle. Yeah, yeah. Back. She's the one that got my job at the VA. Um, you know, at that point, I was, I think, what, three and a half years at NASCAR. And I was a senior uh, post-production editor there. And it was a good career, but it was kind of like a chief officer five position. It was like, you know, I had plateaued. There was no going to be no advancement. Um, I kind of foresaw that I was going to be there for 20 years until my salary got too high and they were going to cut me. Like I didn't see, I didn't see myself going into a position in that company that I wanted to be. I wanted the flexibility to make good content. I, I was making good content, but I didn't have the flexibility to go where I wanted in that company. Um, loved it though. Loved the people there, loved my time. And I'm forever grateful that that was my first job out of the military was, was working for NASCAR. With that being said, it was time to go. Yeah. And my wife saw that I was taking Marines out to the Coke 600 every Memorial Day weekend for like two or three years straight. And kind of making my own program, not really NASCAR sanctioned or whatever, but it was, I was given the things that I never gotten that you never, you probably never gotten like, Hey, this is what a video producer does. Hey, this is what a video editor does. You think it's the skill sets a, but it's actually C. So be careful. You know, you just kind of making them aware of different roles within video production that you never, you were never going to get in taps. Um, so my wife saw that I was doing that, taking them to the NASCAR tower, taking them to Fox Sports 1, taking them to the live production trucks at the racetrack. And she was like, hey, you have an interview Monday. I was like, for what? She was like, um, for the VA, and you're going to be telling veteran stories. And I was like, yeah, I can mess with that. I could totally mess with that. Yeah, sign me up. So did the interview in my truck. But she does, she's the one that completely um, filled out the USA jobs, wow. did all of that, and was just like, hey, you got selected for this job for an interview, your interview's Monday. Nice. And she knew that I could sell myself at that point. It's just, it's just all the minutia of the USA jobs and the fact that you got to copy and paste, you know, the, 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 the full description in there, just, and all that. I was like, I don't want to mess with all this stuff. And I didn't even know, and I wasn't the one checking it every day, but it was my wife that, that did that for me. Absolutely. How important is born the battle to the VA? Honestly, I think it's, it's more important than I thought it was. Um, when, when Tim left, Tim was the original host. Um, you know, Gary, my, my director, my director was like, you know, I was like, what's going to, we were just going to happen with more of the battle. And, uh, Tim thought it was just going to die, but Gary called me up and was like, Tanner, do you want to do it? And I was like, absolutely. Cause I told you that I want to do a, a podcast since 2015 on veterans and veteran issues. And my first concept was completely like more like the, the what it, the smoke pit is now than what, what born the battle is. But, um, I was like, absolutely. Um, and then what we have now is a, a social media content of the day, uh, where we share with all the VAs, at least one synergistic, um, social media post a week or a, a day, you know, every day and born and consistently born the battle is like the Wednesday, every Wednesday, even though I don't want it to be because I got to come up with a social media post a week ahead of time. Sometimes I don't even know who my guest is going to be. Yeah. Um, so no, I think it's very important. I think as it, and as it's been picking up steam and it's picked up a lot of steam since I've taken it, um, it's become more and more apparent that I'm definitely valued on this team. 
How important is it for or the show? The show is definitely valued on this team. How important is it for the civilians? I get a lot of emails from from civilians within the VA, and what I get is, you know, this has helped me relate to my patients better, or this is this has helped me relate to my the people I serve better. Thank you. Um, Tim got those when before he before he, that was a lot of his customer. That was a lot of his audience were people that were civilians, not even veterans. Uh, which surprised the heck out of me when I first took it. Um, so I, I think for a lot of people within the VA, it's helped them understand veterans better, which I am greatly appreciative of. So so we have older veteran organizations that are still pertinent in the lives of, of many veterans. Like the Legion and VFW mm-hmm. and stuff? Yeah. 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 Uh, the post-9-11 veterans don't seem to be gravitating towards that that way of doing things they're they're definitely we're a different they're not identifying with a lot of that message Mm -mm, no what do they have to do what is the because what we don't want is the vfw to turn into blockbuster in 1999 right no because they they do a lot of advocacy up on capitol hill Mm -hmm. i think a lot of the elder generations i think you know one or two generations ahead of us and maybe maybe the generation directly ahead of us is aware but this is the like what Rogan calls the intellectual dark web. This is where a lot of this generation's thought leaders are sharing ideas. And it's something that they definitely need to start considering getting yeah. involved in. Yeah. Uh, I would hate to see uh, that organization falter. Which um, one? Either one. Legion, VFW. Yeah, no. Uh, they still do tremendous advocacy and t- tremendous, uh, I mean, you can even say a lobbying up on Capitol Hill for veteran issues, veterans and veteran issues. And we can't lose them. You know, um, Jennifer Marshall, who was one of my guests uh, early on, she joined the Legion and she's like, no, you need to support them. You need to you need to join them because if it's not the culture that you have that you want, get a bunch of your buddies and go and change the change the culture. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what they did out in the, the L.A., the Hollywood um, American Legion. She's like, it's a very young Legion, um, which surprised me, you know, because I, I, I'm of the same thought process as you on that. Um, in DC, I, I've never joined. I've never, you know, we got the Marine Corps League. We got, you know, you got all the guys enrolled red hats and you got the, you got the Legion and you got the, you know, my father, my father-in-law is, and he's 40 years in the military or 40 years of government service, 30 years of army. He's like, you need to join the Legion. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to that when I'm your age. You know, <laughs> the other thing too, is we're, we're so connected, right? The Legion hall used to be the place to get connected. Yeah. And now, yeah. now you can drive into work, listen to a podcast and you're like, I just shared a story or someone shared a story with me, but it's the same. You get that. And, yeah. and I would hate to say, cause one of my biggest things is being a tail end of, I'm one of those people that I'm at the end of generation X and I have a lot of millennial traits. Right. But I, I belong what kind do they of, call them Zennials. I guess Zennials? so. I'm kind of yeah, on I'm, both I'm right sides. There, I'm right there with you. And I don't want people to rely on, you know, I, I think it's important basically is what I'm trying to say for veterans to go down to the hall. All right. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. These people, you know, you weren't in Quezon in 66 and maybe like, or maybe that was 68. I don't remember, but life sucked for them. Do you think it's horrible to once a month go down and have a talk with a 75 year old? Absolutely uh, not. Grunt? I, yeah. my wife will tell me, she goes, oh, people love you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I like listening to their stories. Yeah. You know, because the older generations have so much to share and so much that we can pull from, um, you know, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, I haven't done it myself. You know, I'm like, Hey, go to the Legion, go to the Marine Corps league, join it up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm working in the government in DC and taking that slug line. I'm and you know, we're buying, I, I'm with you. I got life ahead of me, but no, I, 
I need to, we need to start taking the same advice that, that we're preaching and go, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should join one of these. Yeah. Yeah. And, and start their podcast. It's probably a good, uh, a good message for, if you're listening now, take your time, right? You got to do a lot of things that suck, like pay taxes. And, and you know what? And that's, that's even not a right way to say it. it it's not going to suck. It's just, it might be outside your comfort zone and what you're used to. Yeah. And yeah, your, your grunt from, uh, Vietnam might not be familiar with Instagram or all the stuff that you want to do, but I mean, you, you got to do it because, because guess what? Some, at some point we're going to be out to pasture yep. and we're going to be old timers. Yeah. Um, I hate to start wrapping it up, but I parked. Excellent. All right. First of all, no worries. DC, like I said, we're coming up here, man, this driving is murderous. Yeah. <laughs> I came in and, and I'm you're like, coming in on a three day weekend. Oh, re- oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so where can folks who are like, I want to check out Born the Battle. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Born the Battle is on iTunes, Spotify. You know, you can go B-O-R-N-E. Everyone, you know, it's for yeah, those. Yeah, that, it's, yeah. it's the VA's motto to take care of those who have born the battle and their, and their widows and the orphans. It's taken from that. So it's B-O-R-N-E, the battle. Like I said, any any place, any podcasting app known to tablet, cell phone, or man, or computer or man, you know, it, it's, it's there. So iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever wherever you catch your podcasting stuff, it's it's there. Um, it's also for more content blogs.va.gov. It's our blog vantage point. There's we do a veteran of the day every every day. We honor we honor a veteran every day, and, and tell their story. So it's a great way to, to learn about you know veterans. There's news releases from the VA. You know anything new program is any kind of hey this is a program for for vet tech or for for you know changes in the GI bill that's always the first place that the VA is going to put it out is going to be on the blog so make sure you look at the blog almost i mean i look at it every day i i read the the news releases on the podcast every week the ones that i think pertain to us uh we also have social media uh Depart- DEPT vet affairs US Department of Veterans Affairs no matter the social media you can always find us with our blue check mark you know um and you know subscribe like share uh, all that stuff you're supposed all to say. that all that stuff you're supposed <laughs> to say and you know in the future we also are creating a va podcast network so that's kind of the thing that i'm kind of writing policy for right now and i'm developing some other shows within the va so you're going to find uh, a new i know i can tell you right now there are two other podcasts that are out there one's on suicide prevention um short it's the myrick short ta- short takes on suicide prevention and uh VA research. If you if you search for VA research, I can't remember the name of it right now. There's a, there's a there's one on there. So that's two other podcasts that are being developed within the VA. And what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to coalesce and bring everybody together and make a full network. So awesome. we're trying to make at least ten shows within the next five years. Cool. Well, thanks for your time, Tanner. Absolutely. And uh, that's it. Peace. <laughs> Set the place on.